0: Thank you, ladies, for that. She learned all of her singing from me. I should have been paying more attention, huh? We're going to be in 1 Samuel 15 this morning, 1 Samuel 1st Samuel chapter number 15 and uh, that's what we need to do is we need to go tell about him and uh, that's what missions is all about whether it's missions across the sea or it's missions around the corner uh, we need to uh, go and tell about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, what he's done Uh, uh, as he died on the cross and was buried and rose again, what he's doing. Isn't it a good thing to tell about what he's doing in our lives now, how he blesses us and how he uh, keeps us safe and all the things he's doing for us now. Then we need to be telling him about what he's going to do for us in the future. And uh, aren't you excited? I'm telling you, I'm so excited every time I think that Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. I'm so excited about that. I don't know when that day is. Neither do you. Uh, the Bible says the angels in heaven don't know. It boggles my mind a little bit about how people are just trying to, always trying to figure that out and, and taking the, these numbers and subtracting those numbers. And then, well, God said you're not going to know. Stop trying to figure it out. So what's the point? What is God's point? God's point is he wants you to know, but he's not going to tell you when because he wants you to be ready at all times. And uh, so we need, to be, we need to be ready. And um, uh, what a privilege, church. It is a privilege to tell about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, whether that is through song, uh, through a message preached, or just giving your testimony, just sharing the good news uh, of Jesus Christ and what He's done for you. I've often had this said to me, and really, I've said it myself uh, when I was first saved. Uh, I just don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say. And this is what I was told years ago, and this is what I tell people all the time now. Just tell people what He did for you. Just tell people what He did for you. And let me tell you what I've done. I took in my Bible, I was so very nervous after I got saved and And what if people ask me questions I don't know the answer to? Can I tell you, I've been saved a really long time. I've been in the ministry for a really long time, and I've preached probably thousands of messages, and there are still questions that I don't know the answer to. Okay, And so, don't be afraid when somebody asks you the question. If you don't know the answer, tell them you don't know the answer. And go find out, delve into the Word of God and find out uh, the answer. But I tell you what I did. I, 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 I didn't know the verses. Uh, I knew the verses. I didn't know where to find them in the Bible. And, and so uh, somebody said, okay, this is what you need to do. Write down, go to, in your Bible, Romans 3 and verse 10. And so I went into my Bible and went to Romans 3 and verse 10. And, and you know, there's none righteous, no, not one. And next to that verse, matter of fact, I did it. This is the very first Bible that was given to me. My um, my wife gave it to me after I got saved, and it's now been all these years. Been my preaching Bible. So I wrote in this Bible right next to Romans three ten, Romans three twenty three. So it told me that after I read three ten, all I had to do is remember three ten, remember three ten, remember three ten. For some of y'all, that might be easy. For some of us that forget everything, it was hard. But I remembered, 310, went there, went, marked 323. Go to 323, Romans 5 eight. Wrote next to that, Romans 5 And then next to Romans 5a, I wrote Romans 6. So I went through. Now listen, the person I was talking to had no idea that I wrote those down. They just thought I knew what I was doing. But let me tell you something. We can have... We do have the Word of God, so we do have the truth. It's not our opinion that we're sharing. It's the truth of the Word of God that we're sharing. And so Missions Emphasis Month, so excited. I love February. I love when it comes along. I love getting our missionaries in here and and being able to hear from them and get updates and, and listen to them preach. And I hope you've been praying If you haven't, start praying now. Lord, prepare my heart. Lord, prepare my heart for each message. Lord, prepare me for what you'd have me to do. Do you remember on the Damascus Road? Do you remember Paul got saved? And after Paul got saved on the Damascus Road, he made a statement. It was his very first statement after after he got saved. It was the statement that we should be making every day. Here it is. Lord what would Thou have me to do? Lord, what would Thou have me to do? Today. Lord, what would Thou have me to do? Tomorrow. Lord, what would Thou have me to do? In a decision that needs to be made, in a situation, in a circumstance, when it comes to faith promise missions, Lord, what would Thou have me to do? Stop worrying about sister so-and-so and and brother so-and-so. And start worrying about ourselves. You know, sometimes we get caught up in worrying about what somebody else is doing. Or what somebody else is accomplishing. Or what somebody... No, no, no. If you're doing your part, you let the Lord work on whoever else that you're thinking about so that they can do their part. Well, I'm doing my part and they're not doing their part. Well, you don't have to worry about that. Because they're not going to stand before you one day, and you're not going to stand before them one day. We're all going to stand before God one day. And so, Lord, what would Thou have me to do? So as I thought about missions, I thought about the importance of it, and how it shouldn't just be a missionary going to Uganda, or a missionary going to Papua New Guinea, or a missionary going to South Africa. It shouldn't be just somebody that we support that goes overseas. Missions ought to affect every single child of God. Missions involves every single child of God. You see, if you're born again and you're saved and you know Christ is your Savior, you ought to have a willingness to do and go Whatever or wherever the Lord wants you to do or go. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to call you to go, you know, to, to Nigeria as a missionary. But here's the thing. If he did, are you willing? If he said go, would you say with Isaiah, hear my Lord, send me? Would you be willing to go to the ends of the earth for the Lord? I'm here to tell you. Listen to me. There's no way you'd be willing to go to the ends of the earth if you're not willing to go around the corner. You're not going to be going to the, the far reaches of the earth if you can't even go to your neighbor's house if you can't even talk to the person uh, that's in the restaurant. Sometimes we get so caught up in our own world, it's all about three people, right? Me, myself, and I. So often our world revolves around us and we get caught up in this this world of ourselves that we forget that there are other people. Aren't you glad that you're saved? Amen. Amen. Well, I sure am. Every day, I, I just praise the Lord. Good days, bad days, easy days, difficult days. Man, I, I can always rest in the fact that God saved my soul. And I praise the Lord for that every day. And when I think about that, when I think about that God has saved me, I always think about people that God sent my way to share the gospel message with me. And, and I go through them in my mind, and I go through these people, and I, and, I, and I remind myself, Lord, I need to be thankful that God sent so-and-so into my life. Amen. That God sent this person into my life. Some of you may have, no doubt, have heard my uh, testimony, uh, through the years, uh, uh, but, uh, just quickly, I, I, uh, uh, I, uh, I'd been under conviction and knew I needed to be saved, but I, I, just, just do, wasn't gonna do it and, uh, wasn't interested and, and I was just kept rejecting, uh, the gospel and, and one day, uh, all, all in one day. Now listen, listen to how good God is. All in one day. Now, remember, I used to tell you, that uh, when I was in the military, uh, Hazel, my cousin, and Wendy, who's now my wife, would come and pick me up from the base, and they'd say, we come take you home for the weekend, but you got to go to church. Listen, I've been to church before. Matter of fact, up north, uh, every once in a while, we'd go to an Easter program at the Dutch Reformed Church. I don't know if you've ever been to a Dutch Reformed Church before, but it's different. So I didn't know churches were different. I thought they were all the same, so I thought I was going to get the same experience. Well, they took me to these revival meetings, to these camp meeting meetings. Anybody ever been to a camp meeting? I'll tell you something, they get so excited, they'll throw things. the preacher that jumps over to pews don't sit on the front row because it's the spray section. You know, I mean, they're spitting and, I mean, they come up there. they'll come down the aisle to preach to you. I mean, you think I'm, you think I'm forward. (laughs) Hello, myself. What have I got myself into? These people are nuts. I thought for sure they were going to start handling snakes before it was too long. And I'm thinking to myself, and they used to take and put people all the way down here and all the way down here. And I sat right in the middle. And that preacher'd get to preaching, and he'd get just snotting and spitting and talking about hell and 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 that I was going there. And I'm telling you right now, they got personal, they'd point in your face. Some some people couldn't handle some of that stuff. I'm here to tell you. I'd get up in the middle, I'd step all over everybody. Step, they put me in there, they're getting stepped on. Step. I mean, I'm talking about in the middle of the service. Here's the preacher. And the preacher's following me out preaching. <laughs> Let me tell you something, son. And I'm like, boy, I'm telling you right now, buddy, you need to turn around. <laughs> so that's what I got myself into, right? And so one day uh, I, I said, you know, there's, I'm gonna handle, I can't handle that stuff. And so one day I, I'd gotten interested in, in Wendy and wanting to date her. And, and she said, look, look Jack you ain't got no chance. And uh, I said, well, that's, that's nice. And uh, uh, I wasn't saved. I don't understand that. I wasn't saved. And she decided when she was a young, uh, a young girl, a young teenager, that uh, when she, uh, she got older, that God wanted her in the ministry and God wanted her to marry a pastor. And so she was very specific about that. And I said, and, she's, and she shared the gospel with me. And so I I went back to get on the uh, to airplane to go back home at this time. We were stationed in Pascagoula, and um, my cousin Hazel's brother, Andy. Andy was different than Hazel. Andy, I think he was more like the camp-style kind of guy. Hazel said, this is Hazel, listen, listen, Joe, God loves you, and he, this is, this is Andy, you're going to hell, <laughs> like tomorrow. You need to get right. So all the way to the airport, I'm hearing this, right? And so I said, finally, I got out, and I got, out, I got on the airplane, and I thought to myself, I've, I've been set free from these crazy, lunatic people. And uh, sat, on the, uh, sat on the plane, and uh, the guy sitting next to me began to engage, talking to me. Super nice guy. And so I started talking to him, and lo and behold, he was a preacher. am <laughs> thinking to myself, something's going on here. And I mean talking about the entire flight. He's talked about Jesus and talked about how you need to be saved and talked about, you know, he was an evangelist and a preacher and he and sent me some literature and I'm just thinking to myself, I just really wanted you to shut up. I don't want to hear this no more. And so I got set free. Finally, we landed. I got off. I mean, I'm telling you other than the first class people, I was the first person off the plane. So I got off the plane. I got on. Well, I was on a small ship. Very, very small ship. And uh, USS Jack Williams is a guided missile frigate. We had one, let me count them, one religious petty officer on our ship. Guess who was on duty to pick people up from the airport? The religious petty officer. He picks me up, and, and I open the door, and there he is, and I'm thinking to myself, wait, this is, then I begin to think. I begin to think something's unusual about this. Everywhere I go, there are people that are sharing the gospel. That evening, next to my rack, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And today, I look back at these people that God put in my path. And I'm so glad, listen to me, I'm so glad they said yes to Jesus. I'm so glad they didn't really care that my feelings were being hurt. They didn't really care that I wanted to hear it or didn't want to hear it. They shared the gospel because God wanted them to share the gospel with me. And I'm glad they didn't give up. I'm glad they kept on. Andy, he ended up being in in my wedding. But Andy, I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, we'd go... We'd go over, they'd have activities after church and all the, the young people would get together and we'd go to the house and, and, uh, and I promise you, they'd take the bags of ice, go out back and dump them and then come and say, hey, Andy, we need ice. Can you take Joe and go get ice? We just got ice. We don't need no, come on, John. I don't want to go with you because I'm going to hear it all the way there. I mean, he preached hellfire and brimstone, though ice would be melted before we got back. But man, I think back and I think to myself, I'm so thankful for the obedience of God's people. In missions, for all of us, not just a preacher, not just a missionary going overseas, but for all of us, we need to be reminded of the obedience that is expected from God's people. We need missions to react in obedience. Look with me, first Samuel 15. First Samuel 15, verse verse number uh verse number twenty two. As Samuel said, Hath the Lord is great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as an obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken is better. Than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Wow, rebellion! You know what? You know what rebellion is? Rebellion is just the, the lack of obedience. So rebellion is, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And so let me tell you something that's important that I want out of all my children, and that is, an, is obedience. And when you're not in obedience, you're in rebellion, and that is witchcraft. Wow. What a statement God's making here about the importance of the obedience that God expects from His people. We need to obey. Matthew chapter 28, we know that is the Great Commission, right? And the Bible says, go ye. It doesn't say go pastor. It doesn't say go missionary. It says go ye. He's talking to the church and he's telling us that we need to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We need to go. You see examples throughout the word of God. When the Bible said to Abraham go, you know what Abraham did? He went. Not even knowing where he was going. God just said go. And he went. Elijah was told to go and he went. Philip was told to go and the Bible says with a haste he went. Obedience is important to God. I hope you understand that. I hope that comes across clear this morning that, that obedience is important to God. And whatever's important to God ought to be important to his people. If you think about that, if something is important to God, then it, that same something should be important to God's people, the church. If the Word of God is important to God, then the Word of God should be important to us. If prayer is important to the Word of God or to, to God, then prayer ought to be important to us. Listen to me. The opposite is true too. If God hates something, we ought to hate it. You know, God hates sin. We ought to hate sin. We ought to be disgusted with the things that are going on in our world today. We ought to be disgusted at the things that are going on amongst God's people today. We ought to be disgusted. We often say, you ever said this, uh, uh, if our forefathers could see what we're doing, they would roll over in their grave. I'm here to tell you, I, I, I'm, not even, I'm not even saying that politically, but I'm saying that as, as church people as well. You know, there used to be, it used to be once upon a time, there were things that were important, and they were important to everybody. used to be important that there were moral absolutes. There are things that are right, to, and there are things that are wrong. You don't determine that. God determines that. And when God says something's right, then it's absolutely right for everybody. If God said something's wrong, then it's wrong for everybody. So there's this business of, well, that's not for me. Or, my Bible doesn't say that, my Bible says this. Well, we, we've got we've to get our heads screwed on right. Because when God says something, that settles it, folks. And that settles it for His people. And we must obey. You can't substitute anything for simple obedience. You can't substitute anything for simple obedience. You know, just think about this. You want somebody, your child in your household to take out the trash. I need need you to take out the trash. Dad, uh, I'm I'm just going to give you a dollar. I'm not going to take out the trash. I'm going to substitute taking out the trash for a dollar. By the way, if you're a kid, not suggested. Why? You know what dad wants? You know what mom wants? They want obedience. Right? Isn't Isn't that what they want? They want to be able to say something and and not always have to give an explanation, not always have to go on and on, not have to say it over and over again. They they want simple obedience. By the way, the Scripture talks about that when it comes to the parent-child relationship. The children aren't supposed to be running the home. Do you hear me? The, The parents are supposed to be the ones responsible for the children, not the other way around. This idea of, uh, uh, of uh, letting our children run amok and do whatever they want to do and, and no consequences and no, uh, uh, no uh, 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 consequences to their actions is causing mayhem and foolishness in the home and in our society. So, what are we looking for? Yes, sir. What are we looking for? Yes, ma'am. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for them to go and do what we ask them to do. I'm going to tell you what God's looking for. God's looking for obedience. I don't understand why we talk We talk things to death. My preacher said. My preacher used to say, uh, he says this all the time, when we were down there, he made mention of, a, 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 made mention of this lady, and we got kind of caught after church, and she was talking. He said, man, she can talk the horns off a billy goat. He used to say that all the time. And we talk and talk. There's so many times we talk about We talk about it. 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 We, about it. we just need to do it. You know, when it comes to giving, we just need to give. When it comes to go to church, we just need to go to church. When it comes to praying, we just need to pray. When it comes to reading God's Word, we just need to read God's Word. When it comes to going, we just need to go. We don't have to have a planning meaning about going. We don't have to have a planning meaning about reading God's Word. We just need to do it. You know, there are so many plans. I'll just give you an example. There are so many plans when it comes to reading through God's Word. I love to read through God's Word. I love to comprehensively study God's Word. Now, I read and I have read multiple times through the Word of God in a year. A matter of fact, on, on more than one occasion, I've challenged myself to read through the Word of God twice in a year. But let me tell you what I enjoy better. I enjoy delving into the Word of God, and I enjoy chewing over the Word of God. And let me tell you something. When I do that, I don't get very far. So it takes a while. Sometimes when we read through the Word of God or when we have a plan, we've got, I mean, you know I mean, we just... and read through as quick as we can because you know that day we've got to read that verse or we've got to read these section of verses and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that God's going to bless you reading His Word but I'm here to tell you when we read God's Word we ought to be doing it with and on purpose that's just the simple obedience of God when God says to study to show thyself approved unto God Obedience. There is no substitute. And when it comes to obedience, think about these things. Number one. When it comes to obedience, we need to obey God before man. We need to obey God before man. Now, we haven't really had to face this that much in our country, but I think we're heading in that direction. You know, there are some places in in this world where it is against the law to go to church. It's against the law to have a Bible. To own a Bible, it is against the law. Matter of fact, if you read your history, you see some of these people uh, throughout history who love the Word of God, who died for the Word of God. Because it was their desire to put the Word of God into the English language. I'm here to tell you, you better be thankful for that or learn Latin, one of the two. Or Greek or Hebrew. I don't know if you've learned Latin, Greek, or Hebrew, but I'm here to tell you, it's enough to give you a headache. So I'm thankful for the William Tyndales, who gave their lives so that we could have a copy of the Word of God. You know what we are? Spoiled brats. That's what we are. We're spoiled because we always have had, we always get, we get when when we grow. Now, I'm not saying everybody, I'm just telling you by and far in our country, this is the way we are. When we go into a restaurant, when we go into a grocery store, when we go into a department store, we basically buy what we want. And and, and bless your heart, you didn't actually get the Gucci that you wanted. I mean, let me get my violin out. I was at a Parker's over in Statesboro, and I went to this Parker's to get gas, and, and this, this girl behind the counter, she was just a young girl, she was talking, and, and she was talking to this other lady, and she was saying, yeah, yeah, she said, uh, 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 I tell you what, I'll I'm, I'm get me a man, and that man, he's going to buy me Gucci, and he's going to buy me blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, Sweetheart, I don't know what man you getting. You know, we're, we are, aren't we? We're so spoiled. You see, we've always had the Word of God, haven't we? I mean, we've, we've always had a copy of it. Most of us have multiple copies of it. And we're spoiled with what we have. And so, right now, we haven't faced much persecution. Somebody shut the door in your face, cry, cry me a river. That's not persecution, folks. I'm talking about people giving their life for what they believe in. I'm talking about people obeying God, and because they obey God, the consequences are jail, beatings. Let me tell you, overseas, in many of these Muslim's world, Muslim Muslim uh, countries. When they convert to Christianity, there's consequences. Let me tell you something: their families turn on them. They lose their job. By the way, if you lose your job around here, everybody's hiring, right? I mean, good night. You can about do anything around here. But I'm here to tell you: if they get, if they get, they get, they convert to Christianity, they're they're unhirable. And nobody going to hire them. We do want anything to do with them. They're shunned. They're turned away. There are many, many consequences. You know what happens when we convert to Christianity? People cheer. Praise the Lord, right? Or I hope you do. The angels are rejoicing in heaven. We ought to rejoice every time somebody gets saved, and we do, and we rejoice for that, and our church rejoices over that, and it's a wonderful thing. But I'm here to tell you, that's not the same in, in every place. And there may be a day, and I believe that day is coming. I believe that day is fast approaching. Where they're going to tell you, you can't say such and such from the pulpit without there being a crime. It's happened in Canada. I don't know if you remember, but it wasn't too long ago where they tried to make it happen here. Do you remember when they were requiring the preachers to turn in their notes? Lost their, they've lost their minds. I'm going to determine what I preach and don't preach it. Okay, well, what if it's against the law? What if they say, you can no longer go to church? Well, they tried that. Not too distant. You know, past, Right. What if they say, hey, listen, it's against the law to do such and such. That's why I'm telling you when it comes to obedience, we must obey God before man. Amen. Now, I'm not telling you that you go out and, you, and, and you're driving down and it's 45 miles an hour and you're doing 85 and the cop stops you and say, well, I'm obeying God rather than man. I'm not talking about that. We ought to, we ought to obey the laws, right? The scripture is clear on that. But I'm telling you, when those laws are contrary to the word of God, then we're supposed to obey God. God comes first. God always has come first. God always should come first. Romans chapter 3 and verse 4, let God be true and every man a liar. We need to obey God before we obey man or rather than man when it comes to contradictions. Of the law. When forced to choose between religious leaders and Christ, Peter said this in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29 we ought to obey God rather than men. Obey God rather than men. We We need to obey God before man. Number two, we need to obey by faith rather than by sight. We need to obey by faith rather than sight. Faith ought to be the heartbeat of God's people. The heartbeat of God's people. You know what faith is? Faith is just simply trusting God. Faith is just believing God. You know when we go and knock on doors, or when we go and invite people to church, or when we go and share the gospel with somebody? Sometimes they come, sometimes they get saved, and sometimes nothing happens. You ever notice that? Have you ever noticed that the third thing happens more than anything else? They might promise you the world. They might promise you they'll see you Sunday. You might be standing at the back door looking out waiting for them. Anybody ever done that? You ever even actually said, well, maybe they'll be late, and you're still standing out there after church starts? We all have, haven't we? If you've invited anybody before, you have. And maybe something happened, or maybe something didn't happen, or maybe they just didn't come. Here's a thing that has helped me through the years. When I obey God, I obey God in everything that's including the results. The results aren't my responsibility. If the the results were my responsibility, then I'm going to go out and I'm going to kidnap people and bring them to church. If the results are my responsibility, then if I know that you're saved, I'm coming to your pew after the service is over, and I am dragging you to the altar. Kicking and screaming if have to. If I'm responsible for the results, I'm not responsible for the results. I'm just responsible for obedience. And that ought to be at the heartbeat of our... Don't, don't be discouraged. So you invited somebody, they didn't come. It's going to happen again and again. Maybe you shared the gospel with somebody and they didn't get saved. Do you, know what used to, you know what used to get me? I'm going to show you my lack of spirituality when I was a young, young Christian. used to get me that I'd share the gospel with somebody, they didn't get saved, and then somebody else would share the gospel with them, and they would get saved. What in the world? I almost wanted to go to them and say, why didn't you get saved when I told you about it? It was, of course, my lack of maturity and my lack of spirituality. But you know, sometimes we share the gospel and we're planting a seed. Sometimes we share the gospel, and we're watering it. And sometimes we're giving the gospel, and we get the we get to pluck the fruit. What a blessing that is! But I want you to know something: it's God that gives the increase. If God saves someone, they're saved. If you save someone, they're in trouble. They're in deep trouble. It was said of Dwight Lyman Moody, what a great preacher of yesteryear, it was said of him as he was walking down the streets of Chicago and and uh, this guy was coming down, and, uh, this uh, this uh, agnostic atheist guy, and he came come up to uh, to Moody as he was coming down the street and he looked over and saw a, a man on the other side of the road. This man on the other side of the road had just been at one of D.L. Moody's camp meetings. He used to have the... You know those sawdust camp meeting kind of style preaching, and, and uh, Iris Sankey would sing, and, and, and boy, just to have a great meeting. Well, this guy had been down to the altar and got saved uh, the night before. Well, here he was on the other side of the street. I mean, he was drunk. I mean, he was staggering all over the place, falling down on the sidewalk. And here comes this agnostic, this atheist guy, and he'd come right up to, to Moody. And boy, he didn't like Moody anyways. And he's going, how, how do you like your convert now, Moody? Moody didn't miss a beat. looked at him and said, he looks like one of my converts. Now, if he was God's convert, he'd be changed. If he was God's convert, things would begin to, begin to look different for him. But I'm telling you something, if we're the result of someone getting saved, they have no hope. There's no hope in us. The hope is in Jesus Christ. The hope is in heaven. The hope is in what Christ has done for us. And we need to understand that our obedience is by faith. Listen to what one writer said about faith. Faith is believing. Faith is believing what God says simply because it's God who said it. Isn't that a good statement? Faith is believing what God says simply because it is God who says it. There are some people that say things and I need proof. I'm just telling you. Just because you said it don't mean I'm going to believe it. And according to your track record sorry, you're going to have to show me. Some people can say things, and I'm going to tell you something. I, I believe everything they say until they give me reason not to believe them, right? Listen, everything God says is true. Everything God says is fact. So when God says something, we can believe it. When God says something, we can trust it. That's what faith is all about. God will not let you down. Think about this. Faith sees the invisible believes the incredible and receives the impossible. Amen. Isn't that a cool thing? Think about it. Faith, it, it sees the invisible, it believes the incredible, and it receives the impossible. You see, because God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or thank. You think about a, a camel going through the eye of a needle. Impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. God. You think about a virgin conceiving a child. Impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. Amen. You think about an insurmountable wall that's in your life, and you can't find your way over it. You can't find your way under it. You can't find your way around it. God says, March around, speak my name, shout it from the housetops, and it'll come tumbling down. Impossible. But nothing is impossible with God. Amen. You're thrown overboard, you're drowning. Here comes a great big fish, swallows you whole, doesn't eat you, just swallows you, transports you to land and spits you up where you're supposed to go. Impossible. But nothing is impossible with God. Think about one or three and three or one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but there's only one God. We don't believe in multiple gods. We only believe in one God. Well, then why is there three, but there's really only one? Impossible. But nothing is impossible with God. When we obey God, we obey God by faith. When you get saved, right? Salvation has nothing to do with works nothing to do with baptism. It has nothing to do with being in church. What does salvation have to do with? It has to do with faith. It has to do with placing your trust in Jesus Christ. You know what faith is saying? Faith is saying that this pew is going to hold me. And I sit down in it. And it holds me. I, I'm, I'm having faith in it. I can look at this pew and I can say, oh, it's made pretty well. It's got good wood. It's constructed well. But until I sit in it, I'm not having any faith in it. I'm just going off of what it looks like. And you can have a head knowledge of Jesus. You can know all about the Bible, but until you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are lost and on your way to hell. Faith. What a wonderful thing faith is. Sit Take your faith and place it in the right place. That right place is Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. What an opportunity we have this month, Faith Promise Missions. What an opportunity that we have each day to serve the Lord, to honor Him, to glorify Him, To be who He's called us to be. We need to obey. O-B-E-D. I-E-N-C-E. Obedience is the very best way to show that we believe. Are you saved? Do you know Christ as your personal Savior? Maybe you've been thinking about that. Maybe people have told you about that before and you've put it off i'm here to tell you folks the time to be putting things off is done we need to get serious about our salvation we need to get serious about our service for the lord we need to get serious about our christian life time is short and we need to be busy about our father's business I'm not sure I'm saved, preacher. I'm not sure if I'd die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning right back down, and I pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure about my salvation, preacher. Here's my hand. Please remember me in your prayers. What a privilege. What an honor. What a blessing it is to know that our sins are forgiven. To know that we have a home in heaven. To know that one day we'll be seeing Him face to face. We're not there yet. God's still got us here. I believe He's got us here for such a time as this. Let's get busy, busy, busy. Obeying our Lord. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed. Instruments playing this morning invitation. And I invite you to come. Lord, help me. Lord, open my eyes. Lord...